Chapter 15 Patterns and Playing It had been a month since Voltage had sent the slightly incriminating emails to Special Agent Inselm. Time and again she had tried to find more evidence, but there was no way her superiors would take a few emails seriously. Nothing else could be found as of yet, and she couldn't involve the heroes any more than they already were. The agent tightened her grip on the steering wheel and breathed deeply, preparing her speech. Nodding to herself, Chelsea stepped out of her car and approached the steel door. She turned the knob and, upon entry, pressed her hand against the wall, a thin blue line running up and down her hand. Once the scan was complete, the small room went into the ground and ushered her into a base separate from the lab that Voltage had been examined in after the factory's incident. Here, she would plead her case again. We've been asked to do what? Speak at a conference, man. That's so great. As, as Voltage? Nope. As the creators of the Reckoning Chronicles. Man, I mean, that's still pretty cool, but it's not nearly as fun. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's only a small speech. No question and answer, no intermissions, none of that. You're the best at making everything fun, bro. Trust me, you might really enjoy it. You guys coming or what? Sarah traveled down the stairs, still fixing her hair into a loose bun. Her dress was a dark burgundy with tiny sparkles that complemented the sparkling in her hair, and her heels made her almost as tall as Lewis. Oh, lady, I'd follow you anywhere. Lewis took her hand in his as Sarah giggled, and the three went out the door and flew into the night. I'm telling you, something isn't right. Spire is still planning to do something potentially catastrophic, and we have a mole helping. The emails prove this. Look at these fat cats just sitting here, faces as flat as the screen they're projected on. They're not even saying anything. <sighs> Look. You put this hub here for emergency contact and- And this is not an emergency, in Shelm. Once again, you have nothing but speculation and vague emails. You blame Dylan Fobb again, and we can't even prove that Spire was behind Gene Tomber's radicalism. When you have something more concrete, you may call us again, but not before. You don't understand. By then, it'll be too late. The face in the center, the one that had spoke so detachedly, had logged himself and the other supervisors off. Fine. You want proof? I'll get you your proof. The agent stormed out of the room and sat in her car, breathing slowly once again. Her fingers fluttered against the vehicle's controls and her phone linked with the dashboard screen. Three large blue dots were all congregated at one location, and it was on the largest one that Special Agent Chelsea Inselm pressed the call button.
The sound of applause echoed against the walls of the auditorium as David, Sarah, and Lewis arrived outside the conference center. Uh, whoever just got done speaking must have done a really good job. You guys sure about this? I mean, we could be out patrolling, working on the next Chronicle, or doing, like, literally anything else right now. David, I don't understand. Usually you jump at the chance to talk to new people. Why is today not the same? Because... Because it's not the same when it's something meaningful. And you're worried that what you have to say might not reach them. Look, bro. I know I'm the guy that likes to make the speeches. It can be tough knowing what to say. But the truth is, a lot of the time, I don't know what to say at all. I might have an idea or an outline, but I found that if I talk about just what matters, it flows easier than you'd think. And we'll be there the whole time with you. Do it with passion, and that's all that's required. <sighs> all right, let's go. Walking inside, the team noticed that the chairs were filled and a band was on stage packing up their instruments. Wasn't a speech at all. Must have been some sort of opener or something. Lewis, David, and Sarah took their seats backstage, waiting their turn. A few speeches from random people followed, and eventually the three friends were up next as the speaker in front of them began to close. All right, here we go. Here we go. Where's Lewis? He's looking at his phone. Why does his face look like that? Hey, man. Uh, Anselm has news, and she says we have to meet in person. Great. Let's go. No. Sarah and I can go. But someone has to be here to talk with these people. We can't just all leave. We'll relay what Insom says when you return, bro. I'm sorry. I know I said we'd be here, but we've got to make sure we can be in both places, too. I know it's not what you want to do, but I want you to know I have every confidence. You'll do great. You'll be fine, David. You don't want to be the voice of reason here, Sarah? Not this time. I may not always agree with everything Lewis says or does, but I've learned when he's doing something on a special kind of instinct. You've learned to recognize it, too. Just trust us. It'll be worth it, man. We'll get you food. Before David could protest further, the couple left, and David was left with only a few minutes to gather his thoughts. Okay. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. It's going to be fine. I've got... I've got a little bit of words, just talk about, I could talk about music. Yeah, the band left the guitar right here. Just gotta make sure it's tuned. Please welcome to the stage, Sarah Cloud, Louis Solire, and David Nico, the creators of the Reckoning Chronicles. All right, guess I'm up. The young man stepped onto the black wooden platform, staring out into the crowd. All eyes on him, the lights dimmed slightly, and the silence was more than he expected from such a large amount of people. <sighs> oh, good evening, I guess. My friends, Lewis and Sarah, they couldn't be here. A minor emergency they had to attend to. So you're stuck with me. <laughs> but were they here? They talk with you about the power of words. After all, Lewis is the writer of the Reckoning Chronicles, and his story ideas are simply brilliant. And Sarah, she refines and edits his brilliance into something more coherent. And those are important, powerful things. 
Lewis's words even just before he had to leave gave me the strength to talk to you guys by myself. But I don't have many words. Not like them, anyway. I do, however, have a dramatic flair. David smiled at the crowd's laughter, gaining a little more composure. And I use this flair in creating the music and sounds for the story you experience. With a flick of his fingers, David strummed the electric guitar, feeling it reverberate throughout the room. As he did so, he could feel the sound moving almost like his electricity did through his body. He strummed again and let his power alter the sound wave as it left the guitar without anyone seeing the difference. But they can feel the difference. Whoa, that's really cool. Let's try to turn it up a notch. See, sound has been proven to do a lot of things. It can affect the very cells in our body, take us to a place that normally we couldn't go. It expresses when words fail. So my desire is, when you hear music, that it affects your soul for the better. You can listen to all types of sounds and music, but what you should really be feeding your soul should be stuff that can make you thrive, not just survive. David wailed on the strings harder, fingers moving at an almost imperceptible speed, and he could feel the electricity inside of him flowing through his movement, creating a sound he had never heard before. For 60 seconds, the epic, otherworldly guitar solo held the room captive, and the hero gave one last twang, finishing the chord and breaking the strings. Oh. Whew. Everybody's silent. Why are they silent? Did I break them? Thank you. Thank you. Get me off this stage. Exiting stage left, he sat in a chair in total stupor. Where did that even come from? And what on earth was its purpose? My gosh, I don't know what I just did. But that was something else. Sorry about your guitar, random band bro. Hope you got some extra strings somewhere. As he left backstage and journeyed to the main room, David was met with applause once again. He grinned and waved, his usual confidence returning. After several high fives, handshakes, and autographs, David politely excused himself and headed for the door. Um, David Nico? It was not that he had heard his name. What struck David Nico was the way he heard the voice. It did the same thing to his electricity as the guitar solo. Slowly, he turned. The woman's bright blonde hair cascaded down her shoulders, her facial features as sharp as her green eyes. Her shirt, hidden by her dark gray jacket, had a quote from the Reckoning Chronicles written on it. She looked down, shifting her weight nervously. <clears throat> That's me. What's up? She took a deep breath, her shoulders jerking upward, then back down slowly. Her hand held out a copy of what appeared to be a vinyl. Um, can you, can you sign this for me? David grinned, reaching for it. Their hands touched slightly, lingering for a moment. As he opened the cover, he realized it was a vinyl of the music and sound effects of the Reckoning Chronicles. I've, I've never seen this before. I thought I knew all the merchandise that we gave out or licensed or whatever. Where did you buy this? I took a compilation of the sounds you included in the first arc of the Reckoning Chronicles and put it on this record, and it's... 
One of a kind. You made this? That is awesome. Of course I'll sign it. He returned the vinyl to her, and the pair's hands touched again. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't even ask your name. That's okay. My name is Hope. Hope Isle. Hi, Hope. David's other hand still rested on the record, and his finger touched the ridge. Suddenly, a spark emanated from the disc, and both he and Hope could hear the music playing. It startled him slightly, and he almost dropped the vinyl. But Hope bent forward and caught it, looking up in wonder. How? Did... how did you... The young lady's eyes widened for a brief moment before she straightened and composed herself. That was... that was an amazing demonstration, by the way. How did you do that? I... I've never heard a sound like that before. I've never heard a voice like yours before. What the heck did I just say? I'm so sorry. I don't know where that... I don't know where that came from, actually. The music I produced, I mean. Oh, so you know where that last line came from then? <laughs> oh, no turning back now. Might as well own it. I've got some idea. All the same, I apologize. Your apology is accepted, Mr. Nico. Though I won't deny there have been literal sparks during our conversation. That is very true. Would you like a cup of coffee or something? I would love one. The few seconds of gentle silence was pierced by David's phone. Hesitantly, he glanced down and saw a message from Lewis. Hey bro, we have the debrief like now. Get over here as soon as you can. Oh yeah. And we totally did get you food. Hope could see David's face tighten as it filled with resolve, yet regret, and her fingers lightly rested on her new friend's arm. If it's important, David, it's okay. Yeah, I think it is. But what are you doing tomorrow? Well, since it's Sunday, I'm usually free all day, but I've got a meeting after lunchtime with a client. Lunch, huh? I think we can work with lunch. Do not bounce up and down right now. Just take the number, give her your number. All right, we're good. She gone? David walked into the core to find Sarah and Lewis facing the computer monitors, swiping left and right, looking intently. How was Inselm? Less stoic than before. The higher-ups at the agency won't look into anything. To them, the mission is either highly classified and therefore has a broad gray line, or there's not enough evidence of anything else. The CIA makes deals like this all the time. Sarah continued swiping and planting a new filter in the email algorithm. Whether it's for sting operations, preemptive strikes, or even just to have control of the influx and outflux of illegal goods. So Dylan Fobb could use any one of these excuses until we actually catch him doing something stupid. So let's catch him then. David grinned mischievously and stepped up to the screen as his friend stepped to the side. Inselm isn't going to like this, but I bet I can tap into the government satellites. I remembered reading that their firewalls were run by an AI, so I could probably only do it once. And it might take a while, but if it's worth it... 
nothing to lose, I guess. Need silence to focus? Nah, man. Actually, I think extra noise helps me more than the absence of it. How was the speech? It was... nice. What's, What's her, her name? name? Hope. But that's only a piece of the story. During the speech, I think I think I experience is probably the best word. Facet of our powers. What happened, bro? I was demonstrating how music is important, and I had a guitar, and I accidentally electrified the strings. But it didn't amplify the sound, it like changed it. Harmonies and echoes and pitches all at once, like overlapping and clashing. How did you do that? I don't know. But the next arc of the Reckoning Chronicles is going to have an extra wicked soundtrack. It sounds like something we can help you work on, man. I imagine we've only found a portion of what we can do. And there's probably stuff that's specific to each of us. Could be. Aha! A quick fist pump from the young hero was made in celebration, but also made the computer react, and the screen went dark. Whoops. Undo. Undo. David flicked his wrist again, and the monitor reversed back to what he had found. Check it out. I couldn't hack into the satellite. Well, I mean, I could. But something told me we should choose our fights carefully. What I did do, though, was figure out where Warp Boy was. You mean Sky? I like Warp Boy. That's not what we're calling him. When you're looking at the weather on a map, the pressure in the sky in storms can cause depressions. If it's a pretty large storm, it's marked on the map to look like a red glob thing. If Sky can teleport, he's probably bending space, making a depression in the air. It's not like a weather depression, but if the weather satellites don't know the difference, that's what it's going to think it is. It does look different, though. Way more concentrated red in a smaller space. And it's in a place you wouldn't find a storm like that. David pointed to the screen. The Arctic. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or the series in general, please rate us, follow us, and share it with someone you think will also enjoy it. Until then, we'll see you in two weeks for the next chapter.